Matthew chapter number two this morning is where we're going to be for our Bible study. As I said last week, we are not going to continue with First Peter until next year in February. And so we're going to be jumping into a Christmas series this month. And our first message is going to be in Matthew chapter two this morning. Now, of all of the different holidays in the year, I have to be honest, Christmas is my favorite. It's my favorite. Uh, I love the gifts. I love the music. I love the decorations. And I even love the weather sometimes, right? I mean, when it's a little bit colder, it's, it feels a little bit better. But I even love the weather. I just, I love everything that there is about Christmas. But, you know, Christmas really isn't about weather and it's not about music or decor. It's not about gifts. Uh, Christmas is all about a person. It's about a person that we celebrate. And the series is entitled, The King Has Come, because really Christmas is all about the message that the King has come. Yet, not every Christmas is like that for everyone. Christmas ought to be a time in which we talk about Jesus and sing about Jesus, where we share the message of Jesus, yet... For many in our country, many in our community, Christmas is really more about the gifts than about Jesus. It's more about the music and the decor than it is about the message of salvation, the message that the King has come. And what I want to challenge us this morning to do and to be is to be Christians that really celebrate Jesus this season. I want to do our very best to not be Scrooge. Now, if you're not familiar with Scrooge, Scrooge is a character in the, uh, the story by Charles Dickens of A Christmas Carol. How many uh, have read or, or at least watched the movie of A Christmas Carol? Okay, so most of us are on the same page here, right? And the, the main character is Scrooge, and at the beginning of the story, uh, you find that Scrooge is a man that is stingy. You find that Scrooge is a man that is mean and unkind. He's a man that is lacking in joy and in peace. He's a man that is really grumpy. Um, He's a man that that, uh, in in all areas of his life, especially during the time of Christmas, is unhappy. And so when I say I don't want us to be a Scrooge, what I'm talking about is I, I don't want us to be unhappy during this time. I don't want us to be people that are mean and stingy and grumpy. We, we, we want to be different. Now, if there ever was a man that was like Scrooge in the Bible, it was the man that we're going to talk about this morning. If there was anybody that in real life, because Scrooge is just a character, is just a, a person in a, in, a, uh, in a story. It's not really based on an actual um, person that lived in history. It's just kind of a a character that was written. But if there was ever someone that really lived like that and that celebrated or maybe lacked in celebration of Christmas like that, it's a man that we find in Matthew chapter 2. A man by the name of King Herod. Now, if you will, let's go ahead and and turn and read in Matthew chapter 2. We're just going to read eight verses this morning. And notice what the scriptures say about this man, this this man, King Herod. It says, 
Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judea or Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. This man, King Herod, when you read the story at first, it seems like he's kind of just like a normal king. He seems like he's a guy that's um, pretty excited about the birth of Jesus. He wants to know where Jesus is at. He, he wants to go and worship Jesus. He seems like a normal man if, you, if we knew nothing else about him other than what we read in Matthew chapter 2. But if you read the history, King Herod's already been on the throne for about 35 years. King Herod was a man that was mean, grumpy, and insecure. In fact, he was so insecure and so selfish uh, that he killed his favorite wife. He killed their two sons because he was scared that they were going to usurp him as the next king. He would kill many of his political enemies that threatened him or that he imagined would be people that would want to remove him from his position as king. He was a man that was very political, a man that had usurped the throne. In fact, he was not a child of David. If you remember in the Old Testament, it was the line of David that was supposed to be kings. But King Herod was not of the line of David. In fact, he was from the line of Esau. And the way that he became king was because he was friends with the Romans. The Romans had come in and conquered in 63 B.C. And as a result of all the politicking that Herod was doing, uh, the, they eventually, the empire of Rome eventually named him as king. And as king, he ruled ruthlessly. As I said, he killed not just one or two people. In fact, history states that he probably killed uh, more than two or three hundred people. People that he was afraid would take his position. So when I say that King Herod was a, uh, a character that was mean and selfish and stingy and secure, much like we see in Scrooge, we, uh, you, can, you can bet that that was who he was. Now, this season you might be thinking, well, Pastor, um, it's good to know that about King Herod, um, and it's good to know that I haven't killed anyone, and I'm not even a king, and I haven't usurped anyone's position, and I'm not really sure that I can even be a King Herod this Christmas. I'm not even sure that I can be a Scrooge this Christmas. I mean, uh, as you say, I love Christmas too. But, but how is it that someone becomes a Scrooge during Christmas? How is it that King Herod, what made King Herod this Scrooge-like character in his life? Why, what made him uh, not celebrate really 
in all sincerity, the birth of Jesus. Well, what are the reasons that Herod had to live and do what he did during the time that Jesus was born? And how can we avoid being that? This morning, I want to give you two reasons of why Herod missed out. And if we're not careful, we can miss out on celebrating Christmas the right way. I want you to notice, if you're taking notes, Herod's attitude. Herod's attitude. You see, when hearing the news, we see in verse number three that a new king was born. The Bible says that Herod became troubled. Now, if you're in the habit of writing uh, in your Bible or maybe even writing notes there uh, next to the notes that are already provided, the Greek word here is the Greek word terasso. Terasso, and it means to be distressed or anxious. In other words, when, when Herod was told by these wise men from the east, hey, we've seen a star, we know it means that a king has been born, and we're wondering where is this king, this new king that was born, upon hearing that, Herod got anxious. He got distressed. He, he was not happy and joyful about it. He became fearful with the news. <clears throat> and I want you to notice what that fear drove him to be. See, the fear had him so gripped that he had the fear of being replaced. Why was he distressed about Jesus being born, about this new king? He was fearful, he was troubled because he had this fear of being replaced. You see, as I said, he was a man that was not of the line of David. He was a man that usurped the throne and just like he was able to become king through his own cunningness and craftiness, he thought maybe this next king will be the same. He was trying to prevent that from happening. Now, can I say that there are some people that during the Christmas season will reject Jesus simply because they don't find joy in him. They won't find joy because they're fearful of what that means to them. You know, I have, I have found that people reject Jesus many times not because of his teaching of peace and not because his teaching of forgiveness and loving others. They they are fearful of Jesus or they reject Jesus because they know that Jesus represents a king. Because Jesus is a king and there can only be one king, then if I accept Jesus, that means I'm getting replaced as king. Now, obviously not king of a literal country, but king of my life. There are many that reject Jesus during the Christmas season because they realize either Jesus is king or I'm king. Either Jesus is who he says he is or he's not. There are many that take the attitude during Christmas that Jesus cannot be king because it means it would replace me. You see, the reality is that Jesus can bring joy and peace in the life of people. In fact, if you read in Luke chapter 2, you find that the angel said, I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you is born to this day in the city of Bethlehem a Savior, which is Christ the King. We find that 
Herod missed out because he had the fear of being replaced. He wanted life to be all about him. So much so he was willing to kill anybody, and I mean anybody, that stood in his way of living life about him. Could be his children, could be his neighbors, could be his servants, could be his slaves. He didn't care. Because it was all about him. Listen, if we're going to avoid being Scrooges this, this Christmas season, listen, you, you can't be taking an attitude of making Christmas all about you. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the reason we celebrate. It's all about him. There's a story I put in your notes in Matthew chapter 19 when Jesus is talking and he's explaining this very truth that God must be everything in your life. Either God is everything or he's nothing. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like that. And he's explaining to this rich young ruler who's wanting to go to heaven, who's, who's wanting to say that, yeah, I want to follow God. Yeah, I want to be your disciple. Yeah, I want to follow the king. And Jesus said, well, it'll cost you everything. Sell everything you have, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And it says at the very end in verse 22, when the young man heard that saying, or when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had a lot. <coughs> Can I say? Herod's attitude was that he feared being replaced if we're not careful this Christmas season, we can have that same attitude. Don't allow that attitude to take control during this season. I know it's really easy to justify it that way. We must remember who it is that we're celebrating. We're celebrating that man who is the king. Secondly, we see in his attitude, not only that he was troubled, he had a fear of being replaced. He had a desire to oppose Jesus. You see, when the Magi told Herod that Jesus had been born, Herod very hypocritically told them that he wanted to worship him as well. He told them, when did you see that star and where? And, and let me know when you find him because I also want to go and worship him. Yet his attitude was one really of opposing Jesus. He had the desire to be destructive to the message of Jesus. He didn't openly give this message. He did it really subtly. He wanted uh, by, he, he said that he wanted to worship, but inwardly, he wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Now, we must be careful not to allow the same attitude to take us nor deceive us. During the Christmas season, a lot of people say a lot of nice things about Jesus, don't they? Even on TV sometimes they'll say, Merry Christmas, Jesus is the season. Sometimes they'll say stuff like that. <coughs> Excuse me. But really, many of them are trying to eliminate Jesus. There's, there's more and more of a push in our society to, to try to minimize the name of Jesus. In fact, maybe you've noticed over the last, I don't know, maybe two two or three decades, maybe more or less. They want more people to be praying, but just not in Jesus' name, right? Famously, I'm trying to think when it was, I'm trying to think what president it was that in their inaugural, he was saying, we want you to pray, just not in Jesus' name. 
Yeah, there's a lot of nice things said about Jesus, but really the intention is to destroy his message, to eliminate him from everything. I want to encourage us this morning. This Christmas season, have a desire to really know Jesus. Have a desire for Jesus in your life. Be sincere in your heart towards him. Don't don't um, don't just say, well, Jesus is the reason for the season, but then never take time, even on a Sunday morning, to be at church. <clears throat> don't say, Jesus is the reason, but not take time to share with your coworker what Jesus has done for you. You see, we may not say it out loud. We might be like Herod and out loud say the right thing, but inwardly, we could be just as destructive to the message of Christmas. We could be just as destructive as Herod was, saying one thing but really desiring something else. I think that's why Jesus was so harsh even against his own disciples. I left this uh, <clears throat> passage there in your notes, Matthew 26. It's a long passage, and I won't read all of it, but a woman comes to Jesus, and she pours a very expensive perfume on his feet. And washes his feet and, and her tears are coming down. And the disciples begin to judge her. The disciples are upset at her. And Jesus gets on to his disciples. He says, listen, she's doing for me what none of you have ever done for me. You know, I, I, I've, I've got to think that that really stood out to Jesus because if you think about Jesus and his life, people were constantly coming to him asking for stuff. Now, he wasn't against it. He wasn't against people asking to receive their sight again or to walk again. But many people wanted Jesus for what he could give them, not for who he was. In fact, it came to a point where Jesus said, you know, most of you follow me just because I give you free food. How about I stop giving you free food? See if you'll see, keep following me. And it says after he preached that message, many of his disciples stopped following him. To the point where he turned to his closest 12 and said, well, you'll leave too? That story's in John chapter 6. He said, well, y'all going to leave too? So many times there's people that follow for that reason, but this woman, she didn't ask for anything. She wasn't at his feet saying, um, uh, right, can you bless me? Hey, hey can, can, can you give me a better job? Can you give me uh, maybe, maybe a, a raise at, at my job? Can, can you do something for me? She, she didn't go with that attitude. She just wanted him. You know, Christmas ought to be not about the gifts, it ought to be about him. You know why Herod was such a Scrooge? Because one, he had this fear and was troubled upon hearing that Jesus might replace him as king of his life. He didn't give me other, any other king except me. But he also had this attitude of really desiring something other than Jesus. This Christmas, let's not allow ourselves to adopt that attitude. Let me show you, secondly, Herod's actions. Not only was Herod's attitudes terrible, but his actions were even worse. 
By the way, can I say this? Our attitudes determine our actions, right? Our attitudes determine our actions. If we have a good attitude, we'll usually do good. But, but man, bad attitudes always bring out the worst. When we have an attitude of hypocrisy and jealousy and hatred, we begin to act upon those feelings. And then you find a world with no peace. You find a world that is fighting all constantly. Uh, you'll find families that hate one another and, and that gossip about one another. You find churches that have allowed that kind of uh, attitude to penetrate into their hearts and lives. And you find dysfunction and division. Because our attitude determines our actions. Notice Herod's actions upon hearing about the birth of Jesus. His first action was that he lied. He lied about his intentions. Herod's attitude of rejection led him to be dishonest and selfish. He wanted to live life his way, yet at the end, the man was nothing but a liar. Money, yeah. Wealth, yep. Power, yep. But he's also a liar. You know, we ought to be careful not to follow those footsteps. We ought to be careful not to lie with our actions this Christmas season. You know, we might say the right words about what Christmas is all about, but let me ask you something. Do your actions back up what you're saying? I mean, the, the way we celebrate Christmas. I mean, would there be something in our home that would be different than how Macy's celebrates Christmas or Dillard's or corporate America? Because there ought to be. Yeah, we don't lie with our words many times, but we do with our actions. That's why during Christmas here at church, we don't just talk about, look at the need out there in Monterey and in Veracruz and the need that's there for these pastors' kids. We don't just talk about that need. We want to do something about it. We don't want to just say, man, Jesus is the reason for this season and, and the reason we give gifts is because God gave us the gift of his son, but we also want to share, share that gift and give gifts to others. That's why we don't want to just be a church that says we care for others. We want to make sure we do something to show that. We don't want to lie by saying one thing or talking about one thing and doing another. The Apostle John said this, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I'll give you another action that Herod took after hearing about Jesus. He sought to kill Jesus. You look in verse number 16, Herod is now trying to kill Jesus. God told the wise men, don't go back, don't tell Herod. He's lying, he's, his intentions, his, uh, his heart is, is not what it seems to be. What he's saying is not what he's doing. He's a liar, he's dishonest. 
and he wants to destroy the king. The wise men go back another way, and what happened when Herod finds out? He goes on a killing rampage. He thinks about it. He does a calculation. He says, well, I know the, the, the wise men said around two years ago is when they saw the star. So if he was born when the star first appeared, if it was that, that day, that moment that he appeared that it was born, then he's got to be at least two years old or younger. And so he goes and kills every baby, the city of Bethlehem, two years and younger. Now, as I said, this Christmas, we're not going to be probably physically harming anyone. But I would say this about that action that sometimes we can replicate in our life. And that is we can allow the commercialism, the materialism, the political climate, even the hatefulness of others kill what Christmas is all about. What I want to encourage us to do is not make decisions that kill the truth about Christmas and its message, but ones that share that. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that if, you know, you give gifts or you have a picture of Santa Claus that you're doing wrong or hateful or looking to kill Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going to be very clear about that. In my home, we give gifts and we, you know, sing jingle bells just like others in other places would. But I want to make sure that I add to that really what Christmas is all about. I want to make sure that Jingle Bells is the the thing that we do sometimes, but that the focus is Jesus in our home. I want to make sure that, okay, if, if, um, if my kids know what elves do or don't do, great, I don't really care. If they think that uh, Santa comes through a chimney or not, I don't care if they think that, if they know that, if they, they know it's a fake, they're going to eventually find out. I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone here, okay? But what I really do want is that Jesus say, uh, stay as the center of our Christmas season. We do this every year in my home. We'll, we'll sit and we'll, we'll read the Christmas story. We've bought little, uh, little story things that come with figurines and you can actually stretch it out to like 10 days and you talk about the shepherds and then you talk about Mary and then uh, you talk about the wise men and then you talk about the innkeeper and you have all the story and at the end you talk about Jesus and why he came. Man, if there's something I want them to know, it's that story. If there's a message that I want them talking about at school, it's that message. If we're not careful, we allow everything else to become the focus and though we may not literally kill Jesus our actions do Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John were told to stop sharing that they said in verse number 20 we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard I love that what do you want me to do? I, I can't help it. That's what I talk about. Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't want you to be, be putting the emphasis on that. What can I tell you? He is the emphasis. So let me finish with this. How do we avoid being Herod this Christmas then? 
How do we avoid this? I want to give you a few thoughts and then we'll, we'll be done. In this passage, we, we focused on Herod so far, on his attitude and on his actions, but really you also see the, the, uh, the actions of these wise men. We, we see as Matthew tells us of where they came from and with what purpose they came from and, and how they found the, the Savior, how they worshipped Him. So let me just give you three thoughts on how to avoid being a Scrooge this Christmas. Number one, open your heart to Jesus by seeking Him. We find in verse 1 and verse 2 that the Magi, the wise men from the east, came seeking Jesus. They weren't interested in his temple. They weren't interested in how rich he was going to be. They weren't interested in what's his future palace going to be. They were interested in Jesus. This Christmas, let's make our focus Jesus. We can talk about his power, we can talk about his kingship. But let's just think about him. Number two, I would say, make Jesus your Savior today. Not only were these wise men looking and seeking after Jesus, they worshiped him. They worshiped him. Let me tell you something whatever you worship is your God. These wise men came to worship Jesus as their God. I think it's interesting that they simply wanted to worship him as king. Some of Jesus' own disciples were following him to see if he would make them their right-hand man in his kingdom. But not these wise men. They wanted to worship him as king. And I say this Christmas, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, then you're missing out on following the greatest king you could ever follow. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What Jesus can do as your king is save you from your sin. Jesus said of himself in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And John said, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You want to avoid being a Scrooge this Christmas? Seek Jesus, but make him your Savior. Man, if you haven't made that decision yet in your life, it's a decision that we make once in our life. Either we will follow him and make him our savior and believe in him. We will call upon him to forgive us of our sins and to dwell in us. Or we will reject that message. I want to invite you, if you've never made that decision, to make that decision. Let me give you the third thought, and that is be generous towards Jesus and his kingdom. These wise men... When they found Jesus, they worshipped him, and then they gave to him. Someone has said, we are most like Jesus when we are giving. 
I think it's so important to think about that. You want people at work to know that you're a follower of Jesus? Give. You want your family members that don't go to church to know that Jesus is something real to you? Then give. Give. I want to challenge us this Christmas to give generously and freely. Not out of obligation, not out of guilt, not out of pity. No. We ought to give joyfully. We ought to give lovingly. We ought to give because we're generous. God has been generous towards us. We ought to give. Give to others. You can give to others through giving to the church offerings. You can give to others by giving to projects and to causes. You can give to others by individually meeting needs that you know of. If you were to ask me, Pastor, which one should I do? All three. Avoid being a Scrooge by giving to your church. Avoid being a Scrooge by giving to great causes. Avoid being a Scrooge by meeting the needs of people that are around you. I'm telling you, you want to you wanna have a fun Christmas this, this year? Don't follow Herod's example. Avoid having a wrong attitude and wrong actions. Rather, choose. Choose to do what the Magi did. Seek Jesus. Make him your Savior. And then give to him and his kingdom. And there's no better way to celebrate Christmas. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So this morning, don't be a Scrooge. Don't live Christmas as Herod did that very first Christmas. Don't have that wrong attitude. Don't have those wrong actions. Instead, let's choose today. Seek, believe, and give. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you for the fact that this Christmas can really truly be the greatest Christmas. Father, I pray that as we look at the life of Herod and how he lived that first Christmas, oh, Father, I pray that we would not live in that same manner. Father, I pray that we would truly be Christians that in this season of Christmas make it all about you. Oh, Father, that we would share your message throughout this month. I pray that you would empower us by your spirit. Maybe there's someone in our circle, maybe in our family or maybe at work that really needs to know more about Jesus. Help us as your children to share that message. And then, Father, I pray if there be anyone here that has yet to give their life and find in Jesus the forgiveness of sins and the peace that they're heart is longing for, I pray that today they would make that decision to accept Christ as their Savior. Work in our hearts, I pray. As the piano continues to play, is there someone here that would say, you know what, Pastor, as you were speaking about who Jesus is and what he's done, the fact of the matter is, 
is that I've never accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. I've heard about him. I know what the Bible says in some places, but to be honest, I can't think of a moment in my life where I made a decision to accept Jesus as my personal Savior, but today I would like to make that decision. I would like to know that my sins have been forgiven, that I'm on my way to heaven, that I am a child of God. Would you pray for me as I make that decision today? Is there anyone like that? Say, just pray for me. That's the decision I want to make. And perhaps this morning you're saying, you know, Pastor, as we're going into this Christmas season, and I want to do my very best to follow the example of those wise men. I really want to celebrate Christmas this, this year by really making the focus Jesus and seeking Him. By believing what He has done and who He is and by giving in a way that is generous and in a way that reflects the heart of my God. Would you pray for me that I might celebrate Christmas that way this year? Is there anyone like that? Just say, pray for me. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Father, this morning, I pray that you would help us as your children to truly take advantage of this Christmas season to share your message. Oh, Father, I pray that we would take time in this month to truly seek you. Not just seek what we can get from you, but really seeking your heart, your will. To seek what it is your ways and what it is that your word says. Father, I pray that you would just fill even me with your spirit to be able to live the Christmas season this way. I need of you we need of you. The work in our hearts and in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.